What's going on, everybody? You are listening to the Playing On Podcast. My name is Carl Markowski, and thank you for joining me. This episode is brought to you by Melavio. That is Melavio CBD. Uh, they have some amazing products over there. They have edibles. They have pet CBD, which I give my dog these little like peanut butter and extra flavorful treats with a uh, little bit. Of, I believe it's like five milligram of uh, of CBD, and he loves them. He is absolutely in love with them, and he is suffering uh, from a little bit of arthritis, uh, and I, I really think it's helping. Or he just really loves the way they taste. Either way, um, they have uh, they have great stuff over there. They also have they have flour, um, which are the the buds and everything, which which I like to take the salves for uh, any kind of topical use, and then also they have some hemp extract uh, tinctures, uh, which my wife likes to use. Um, helps out with her anxiety a ton and we've been using their products for man a few years now and it, it's it's been awesome for them to uh, to be able to help us out and be able to help them out and spread the word about their product and uh, and brand it's just amazing and I'm really happy to be working with them and uh, you can find everything that they have at uh, melovio.com that's m-e-l-l-o-v-e-o dot com and if you type in capital t-p-o-p you will get 15% off your entire order. So make sure you guys take advantage of that. And uh, yeah, and if you haven't tried CBD before, what a perfect place to stop and try. That's uh, that's Melavio.com. We are also brought to you by Charm City Paintball, who the, uh, the head game guru, Mr. Mike Thompson over there at Charm City, has absolutely been killing it um, at, the, at the head wrap, the head band, uh, just anything that you're looking for he he can pretty much pull it off he does he does some great custom work as well uh, him and I have been collaborating on some headbands and uh, we will continue to do so but if you just go over to his Facebook or his Instagram and scroll through you can see all the amazing work that he's done uh, some of it is custom work I mean honest honestly all of it is custom work he is sewing everything by hand it's a one-man show and uh, it's a great way to support local business and uh, in the paintball community. Um, you know, you're not getting these headbands where there's, uh, you know, thousands or hundreds made of that same headband sublimate, sublimated on like some kind of silky fabric. This is, this is nice, durable, thick fabric that holds up, uh, that you know is made here, that is uh, 100% US made. Uh, sewn and he uses nice heavy-duty fabric that will last it wears well not only physically wears well but also um, it ages well maybe I should say um, and it stays nice and tight on your domage uh, but but yeah he, he just makes great so I'm scrolling through everything right now and it's crazy how many headbands he's made and and, and head wraps and everything and just the the style and the quality of work has been uh, has been awesome and I'm so glad to be working with him so make sure you give him a give him a shout if you guys are in the in the market for some headgear, and uh, he can hook you up. Make sure to let him know that I sent you over there too; it helps out. So, uh, but yeah, he's he's uh, awesome. So, thank you to our sponsors, Melaview and Charm City Paintball. This little podcast is with uh, a guy named Leds. Uh, you might know him from being one of the head honchos over at Planet Eclipse. Uh, I have been fortunate enough, and you'll hear me in the podcast, I've, I've been fortunate enough to be able to 
work with Planet Eclipse ever since I turned pro. And I've shot their markers and have has seen I've seen the progression of you know their ranks in the paintball world as far as uh, as far as mark quality and and just range of availability uh, of of markers out there from you know top end top end stuff that the pros use to that middle ground tournament area all the way to uh, you know now the the rental side of things and. And I have really been impressed with with what they've done, and they've just continued to push the envelope. And they're a great company to work with. I've I've really had I've I've heard no complaints from people dealing with Planet. I mean, whether it be service or the product itself, it's just you get what you pay for. And I mean, they are uh, they are at the the top. And I, I mean, as long as they continue to innovate, I see no difference in, uh, in that as far as ranking goes. It's, it's just, they're, they're an awesome company. They're, they're a small, lot smaller company than what a lot of people think, but um, they're, they're awesome from the top to the bottom. And, I, you know, I can't say enough good things about the company, about Leds, Jacko, Jack Woods, everybody over there. They do such a great job. Um, but I'm so fortunate to also be able to sit down and talk to Leds um, to kind of get his background and, and their kind of thought process on the whole thing and and really kind of hear it from the horse's mouth as far as uh, as far as everything goes um, business wise and, and and personally so yeah so I hope you guys enjoy the podcast I had a great time and uh, and here it is here's the podcast with Leds from Planet Eclipse. But anyway, what I what I was saying was I, I the reason the main reason why I'm not playing professionally anymore is not ability. Um, I feel like I, I can still play for you know years to come. Uh, I think it's more of a commitment issue. It's I, I can't I can't commit nearly what I would have to in order to be able to compete with uh, with the top ranked players nowadays. Yeah, you're right. And if you don't do that, then you just get it. Just becomes this frustrating sort of cycle doesn't it I need to practice more I can't practice more I can't because I don't practice I don't get the results and then you know then people fall out with each other it becomes a chore rather than fun you know yeah, and it's a, yeah I get that I mean you know, I mean we used to you know when I was playing with Nexus and we were coming over to the States we'd sort of we would we would come over do very sort of averagely and then we would go home and sort of go, okay, these are the things that people are now doing that we need to, you know, be better at. So we would learn that, you know, those so bring that bag of skills back and then we would train them for X amount of weeks. Yeah. And then we'd go, right, we're ready now. Next time we go over there, we're going to, you know, we're going to smash it. And then you go back over, you know, six weeks later, whatever it was. And then you would also be behind the new curve, you know, because things have developed. Because, you know, that when I was playing pro with Nexus, it was, it was, it was, you know, stuff was moving at a pretty sort of high rate of knots. You know, as in the, you know, we, you know, when I started, it, you wouldn't run and gun most of the time because mm-hmm. the loaders couldn't handle that. You know, because you know, when I started pro, it was shooting autocockers and things, and then you know, then all of a sudden it's you know the, the ridiculous rates of fire and all that sort of stuff. So, <laughs> so it's yeah. always hard, and it becomes frustrating. So you just sort of get back on a plane and you go right back to the drawing board, and mm-hmm. and you sort of off you go again. So, I mean, for for you, it's you know, I always thought about this with um, between the Russians, you guys, uh, Joy Division, 
and and really any team that made a significant leap literally leap over to the states for for big tournaments what kind of mental exhaustion do you guys go through because I, I know doing a clinic anywhere that i've done that was more than man more than a five-hour flight was just i feel like i needed to recover for at least half a day the next day i mean yeah. how did you guys handle that or was that even a factor do you think yeah i think it is but not i think you know when you when you're pretty young you bounce back pretty well from these things like That's these true. days you know if i have a beer you know the next <laughs> like two days you know if i have a few beers there's two days afterwards i'm a mess you know it's like <laughs> yeah. Christ, you know, get over yourself but yeah back then it was always when we landed you'd always we'd always try and get there a couple of days early because the first night you'd everybody would be awake at three, four in the morning, like wide awake, you know, almost like, cause you know, you'd have two or three guys in a room and you'd sort of go, well, I'm awake, you know, and it's, it wasn't the yeah. case of go back to sleep. You'd be like, okay, well let's go for a walk or let's go and get breakfast at, you know, four in the morning or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. So that was always a bit of a struggle. Um, but you know, it's something that we were, I mean, we were quite a fortunate group of guys being funded by some sort of companies to go and, have fun really so you couldn't really moan about it just yeah. go on with it didn't you that's so. yeah that's true that that was another uh question i had was with with nexus um or or who might it have been was kind of the premier team uh from the coming out of the uk was it nexus or, or... yeah at, at the time um i mean there was i suppose shockwave was sort of trying to do the same similar thing to what we were doing but they they didn't have as much success, I don't think. Um, they'll probably all be screaming now that they beat us so many times or whatever. <laughs> whatever. Um, I mean, we tried to do something different. We decided that we were going to, you know, scrimmage, you know, um, you know, double days, weekends, that sort of thing. I mean, uh, before we started the, the Nexus program, the training didn't really exist. Um, it was sort of, you know, you'd get the guys together and call it training, but you didn't train. You just sort of played games against another team or against your feeder team so we sort of stopped doing that and we started doing drills and you know and scenarios and setting up plays and you know whatever it happened to be and um and and it sort of i think that sort of changed the landscape of the way that the teams in the uk trained you know to the point where you know training facilities started popping up and people could go down and have some proper training you know and you know then people were starting to run clinics and you know, yeah. things like that um so, yeah, I suppose we were, we, we definitely put ourselves on a pedestal. Um, we thought we were the best. Um, it, I mean, the Nexus squad uh, was born out of the first ever Team GB squad. Um, so um, we all were playing on our own different teams. I was on Banzai's. There was, you know, people on uh, a load of guys from Russia's and you know, stuff like that, Tigers and, and stuff. And and they all. Uh, we sat together and we said it works so well as a team. Why don't we all just leave our respective teams and then and join this new team and form this new team? And that's what we did. And um, I mean, for me, I mean, I'd been playing with Banzai's, you know, I'd captained, owned it, whatever you want to call it, for, for so long. It just become a habit. You yeah. know, it wasn't, uh, you know, I'd get up in the morning and, you know, on a Sunday and I'd go and play paintball, you know, and it was not. It was great because I still, you know, was knocking around with all my mates, mm. but I wasn't, I wasn't really committed into making it better. I suppose at the time where with the because I'd still because it was all my mates, you know, like let's say I was a, a nine out of ten player, I'd still have three out of ten players on my team 
Mm-hmm. But they're my mates. So, you, you know, it wasn't as competitive just to say, right, you're out. I need another eight out of, you know, ten. I wasn't dipping into other squads to pick out, um, you know, some sort of star players. Right. Um, and it, yeah, so it was and it was sort of a commitment level from a lot of the guys. And um, so it, it felt natural to sort of go, right, that's done. Let's package that away. Let's move away from that. And then let's go on to um, the next thing. Um, and that's what we did. I think it's, it's, it's easy to look back now at it, I, I think, and go – well, you know, you know, we could have did this or you know, did this or did that, but I think it's hard as players for us to understand. I think our friends and family's uh, point of view on it because our commitment level to the game itself uh, was at such high demand from ourselves, uh, yeah. and it made it even more tough because it was on the weekends. So, and. and I think that's another reason, you know, even bringing it back to, you know, we're talking about commitment level and everything is bringing it back to today. It's like those are the those are the days that a lot of people just have off. And I've I dedicated so much to the weekend days of when now it would have to be like the family time and everything like that. I think that's another reason why I think that's another reason why a lot of pros that I I think should have gone on to bigger and better things why they didn't. I wouldn't say that family is the reason, but it's paintball is one of those weird things where it's it's not a just wake up and go outside you know whenever you want to kind of a thing and just play down the street or like yeah. throw, throw rollerblades on or a skateboard or whatever like you have to set up for it and it's on a day where you don't you're not working so yeah. it's it's really tough to commit uh to ones like that but i mean the ones who did and the teams who did you know you know with nexus coming out of it and a lot of big teams coming coming out of that commitment level uh, kind of really showed. I remember seeing Nexus, man, I think it was, even when I first started, was like 2002-ish, something like that, 2003, I believe. You guys were wearing dye stuff, and you were yeah. blue, and the yeah. Nexus logo was like right here. It was kind of like glowing out the... Were you guys shooting Eclipse Autococker? Like the, is that when you guys developed the the hand grip, yeah, up, the frame up until up until i left the team the we'd always shot either autocockers with the e-blades um or we went on to egos um but we were always planet eclipse until we saw i mean that was one of the reasons i left in the end was because planet was starting to get bigger and bigger mm-hmm. and um you know i was running around in full head-to-toe die gear um <laughs> and they were a competitor of mine Right, um, and, and and you know the relationship between me and Di and um, and you know Nexus and Planet even is is always been great. It's never mm-hmm. been you know it's never been like a, I want to kill you type competitive thing, and um, but it just felt weird that we were developing our own line of pants and developing our own sort of jerseys and gloves and bags and you're advertising for the other guy, yeah, yeah, and I'm running around and you know so I sort of said I've you know I've got a I've got to step away from this, really. And then when we did, that's when sort of Die came in with a, a, um, a big package for the team to um, to, to sort of buy it, really. Right. Um, and they wanted it as the Europe, their European factory team, and then they started using you know Die guns and, and stuff like that. So, so that was sort of you know the end. You know that was that was that transition period. Now, was was that always the plan? Was to go from uh, hardware? And that kind of functionality for like changing the marker side of things, but then also involving like soft goods. Or did you guys 
plan on kind of creating this monster that it is today or or were you was that the mindset in the beginning i guess um there certainly wasn't a plan there wasn't like uh here we go this is where we're going to be in five years time or three years time or whatever it was right i mean literally i mean the history of the planet is that we we opened well we bought an existing paintball store myself and julian um and then the idea was just to sell paintball gear but we were like i mean i was like completely obsessed with paintball Mm -hmm. and it was back then it was all about trying to get the best gear i could so it wasn't like um, you know these days you can click on the internet and can buy products from anywhere in the world right this was like waiting for magazines to come out every month and then looking through the products in the magazines that were advertised and then working out a way that we could get them and when i didn't own a shop it was obviously a lot harder um, I mean, you could order stuff from America, but it was it was it was very very difficult. Mm-hmm. And um, so we just, I wanted to have a, a shop that we could bring in the best gear for myself. You know, <laughs> if, you know what I mean. If, if there was, if I was ordering twenty of the new loader, and we talk about like gravity fed loaders here, because you I mean we're right. back in the day when we were just making loaders out of drain pipe and you know and stuff. Hmm. Um, so these twenty, you know, loaders would arrive from wherever Indian Springs, I think something like that, back at the time, and you'd, you'd open the box, and the first one out of the box would be mine, you know, and then and then it'd be like. And then people would come in and go, oh, what's that you've got? And I go, oh, we've got these new loaders in. Cool, aren't they? You know? And they go, oh, I need one of those. <laughs> Act and, just as surprised as everyone. Oh, wow, these yeah, are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, like every, you know, a delivery would come in and it'd be Christmas. Like, ah, oh, the new stuff's here. I can't believe yeah. I want to see it. You know? And um, so that's how we sort of started. And then and then we started customizing um, other people's uh, payable markers, you know, because back when we started um, in 91 and, you know, a few years after that, the vast majority of paper markers that you would open up out of the box wouldn't work. I mean, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, a thing. It was like these aren't going to work. It's like wow, mm. you know. So we then went, okay, why don't they work? And then Jack's, you know, a bit of a genius, and he sort of went, okay, we'd be. And again, it was to make our guns better, our own personal guns. It wasn't to make, it wasn't to to the plan wasn't to make a product that people would want to buy from us. Yeah. Um, we just, I mean, on our team, on Banzai, we had, we had people shooting Icon Z1s, we had Automags, we had Autocockers, um, F1 Illustrators, you know, all, you know, the, the whole bunch of guns and all of them would have their different problems. Sure. So we would sit there and go, okay, how can we fix this? How can we make this better? And we would then do it. And but it would literally just be for our personal use. I remember like there was one, one of the guys had a an icon c1 and we couldn't get the velocity high enough and this was a bit of a problem you know getting even getting things like springs or whatever i remember right. him grinding down like um uh, it, to turn it into american like a two it was a two pence piece but it's like a quarter to mm-hmm. fit into the back of his gun just so he could get some velocity you know where <laughs> i mean that's obviously ridiculous so then your next thing is you go off to a hardware store and find the right types of shims or whatever and then yeah. you end up you know and then you go well, I'll tell you what, well, let's get this spring made. Let's put this shim in the pack. And then suddenly you've got an Icon Z1 velocity kit and, you, you know, you stick a t- sticker on it and then you've created that product. Mm-hmm. So that's what we ended up doing. Um, and then it, it was purely just for us. But then people would come in and they would say, we want the Banzai X or we want that. And we would forever have our guns, personal guns on the wall. 
and people would come in and go, that's the one I want. I go, okay, that's my gun. And then hmm. you'd sell it then because we'd have no money. We right. didn't have oh, yeah. we had no stock. So we were putting stuff on the wall so we could sell. So we had, there was a big space otherwise. So I'd put my gun up, Jack had put his up, Julian put his up, Speedy put his up, wherever. And then we would sell them off the wall and then we'd build a new one. And then when we built a new one, we'd have Jack would tinker a bit more with it because it's his own gun so he could do what he wants. Mm-hmm. And then that's, that's how that developed. And then um, we started bringing out the Eclipse range. Um, and that obviously that was very successful for us in terms of the autocockers and the angels. Um, Wait, you mean an Eclipse angel? Yeah. I remember the Eclipse. The, the one that sticks out for me was the Eclipse impulse. Okay. And uh, I don't remember you guys ever making a, an angel. Did an automatic autococker, shocker, impulse. Um, oh God, we made Eclipse spiders, um, all sorts. I mean, you know, if, if there was a high-end gun that came out, we'd have a, we'd have a go at doing it. Even did a Bushmaster once, I think. Now, was so, this you guys getting blank, like like blanks for these markers, and pretty much milling them yourself, machining them yourself, and and everything as far as the electronics go for you guys to do, or did you just collab? Well, um, initially, we'd literally buy brand new guns, just like any any other store could buy, mm. and we would strip them down and send them off to um, our... We had a little machine shop in, in Birmingham, and we'd drop them off down there. The autocockers, the really original ones that had mm-hmm. all the grills cut straight through into the bolt, we would send brand new bodies down. They would mill them. We would then send them off to a, another company that would do the polishing and the finishing and the anodizing, and then, uh, then we would rebuild it with the parts that we wanted in them and then later on we started going to people you know like smart parts with the impulses and the shockers and uh, war games with the uh, with the autocockers and we bell sales at the time was the war games distributor so got a relationship with him um, and then you then start getting the blanks across um, and then then you start doing them. but they weren't blanks like just uh, uh, Table markers are made out of billets, usually, like a big lump of metal. Mm-hmm. Um, it was more than that. It'd be all milled down still, so we would have to then mill more into it. So if, if um, Bell Cells would have a certain billet that would have no cuts in it, and then we would go, that's the one we want, so then we can put our, all our own cuts onto that. Right. But it, I mean, we're talking about quantities of 10s and 20s. We're not, you know, Jack would build 10 a, a month, it wouldn't be by hundreds at all. So it was very, very small, sort of cottage industry type things. It was, it was like you'd hand built sort of race car, really. Oh yeah. Um, and you know, the again, this was before the internet, so um, you know, people would only get to read about these every month in the magazines. So then we had to obviously start, you know, advertising them in magazines and you know that sort of thing. A lot more elusive. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was it wasn't the I mean the electronic side of things we didn't really get too involved in. You know, I mean we weren't uh, reprogramming stuff until we start making our own gear. In, so in two thousand and five, that's when we had um, we'd been pushed a little bit down a certain direction um, by certain companies, which I won't necessarily go into, um, where they sort of started to get. Um, they knew we were developing something. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd already made the e-blade frames, the electronic frames, and, which have been uh, a huge had, success. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. It did really, really well for us. Uh, really well for War Games. Kept their products relevant for years. Um, and then we sort of went, okay, it's now time for us to to develop our own market. And the reason why was because 
if you imagine that we're just churning out e-blade frames and then war games suddenly close down we'd have, we'd have the frame not and we wouldn't have a product to attach it to <laughs> so we then made the decision that of um, we have to make a product that we are in complete control of um, you know from beginning to end and um so that's when the ego came out um but then so to answer your question that you asked me 15 minutes ago was, you know, did we try and was it the plan to make a lifestyle brand as well as, you know, you know, soft goods and that sort of thing? No, never really was. Again, it was a case of I want to wear Planet Eclipse T-shirt, Planet Eclipse hoodie. You know, we'd always done some sort of, you know, um, off the shelf merchandise mm. and T-shirts and hoodies and, you know, stuff like that. But um as we got more and more into it, we started to come and then do displays and, and you know, trade shows, you know, places like Huntington Beach and stuff. We knew that we needed to have more um, of that. Um, and we wanted to have more of that. And we felt that everybody else was just doing the really sort of rubbish fruit of the loom or, you know, whatever branding, mm-hmm. you know, where they, and they were, you, you know, you were involved in it. They'd literally have a box just full of T-shirts that they would sort of pull out and do this, and they go, "There you go, there's a T-shirt," and it'd have just a big generic print on the front and, right. and not much else. And we sort of said, "Well, we can. We think we can do a better job at this." Um, and then we we started to to sort of do that, and you know, it'd have swing, you know, nice swing tickets, a, a custom built, you know, cut, mm. you know, with with all sorts, you know, little bits of niceness on it. Um, and we started doing a lot of that stuff, and then that's when we become we, we kept, became more of a lifestyle brand at that point, rather than um, just a, a gun manufacturer. Yeah, um, and I think that's one of the things that's quite um, has taken us to where we are, really. Um, if you think about like people, there are other people have done it in different ways. I mean, you look at HK, the success of HK, they started by making just headbands. Mm-hmm. You know, and then and they, that was their thing. They made headbands, and then then they started developing into, into other lines. Um, we we made uh, paper markers, and then we developed into the lifestyle sort of brands. Um, I mean, we haven't taken it. We haven't continued to do it in the same vein as you know, you people like your HK are doing, because um, they you know that we'll have one pair of tournament pants that we put all our heart and soul into, and we, you know, make sure it's the, it's the best one we can make. Mm-hmm. They'll make you know ten. 15 different types of you know pan you know and that's fine for them yeah it just doesn't it's, it's not the model that we want to go down we sort of go well this is the one we've developed you know and we've put our effort into this and that's what we want to do um so the, uh, there wasn't a plan there yeah. absolutely was no plan there was like there was can we do this is there a necessity for this product is right. this the sort of the, is this the road that we want to go down and then we some things would be a success for us. Our, I mean, our bag range has always been great, um, and it's you know continues to be very strong for us now. Um, you know, so you know we carry on with that. Um, our clothing line, um, as the industry contracted a little bit, it, it, we found that um, you know we couldn't just produce you know thousands of t-shirts in thousands of different uh, designs every year because mm-hmm. uh, it was. You know, there just wasn't any money in it and what would happen is that they'd, you'd make them and they'd sit on your shelf so now it's very much a um, a branding exercise for us mm-hmm. so it's like um, it, I, I mean I 
you know, my cupboard is just full of Planet Clips t-shirts. It's all that's in there, and um, you know it, <laughs> that's it, about ninety percent of my drawer too. Don't yeah, there's very little else, <laughs> and it, and it's so I want them to be cool, and I want them to be fresh every year, um, and new designs, new colours, and all that sort of thing. But um, you know, we stopped doing female t-shirts because we just uh, it got to the point when we just wasn't selling any. You know, mm-hmm. so you, everyone, I think with with everything in our industry, is that there's a few people shout very loudly, "Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Why why isn't this happening?" So you go, "Okay, you know, there's a big demand for it." So then you build that product, you put it on the shelf, and then you try and sell it, and it doesn't sell. And mm-hmm. you go, "Okay, great." And then you know, so say you've made a thousand female vests or whatever with a, a logo on it. You might have got the logo wrong, you might have got the cut of the thing wrong, and that's that's on us. But if you think you've got it right and it doesn't sell, then what do you do? Do you just sort of throw them in the bin? Or do you just go, well, actually, I've now got a thousand T-shirts that I need to do something with. And then that stops you doing the next product because, Mm -hmm. you know, if I sort of, you know, um, I'll be the one at Planet who says I need to get these promo items, I want to do some branding items. And then Julian, who's basically does production, um, will say, you've still got 995 girls' vests that you made last year that you haven't sold and you only made a thousand. And I'll go, oh, I know I took at least two of those home for, for the wife, you know, that sort of thing, you know. So yeah. then you just go, right, bench that, you know, that's not going to yep. happen this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've got this constant problem if you think about, you know, jerseys. You've got a load of jerseys behind you. There isn't, there won't be a single jersey behind you that's standard off the shelf. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all full custom um, and, and it's so accessible for, um, the teams these days to order five or ten, you know, jerseys from you know, like weapons or you know jersey clinics and you know and those type of guys. Yeah. And um, and because of that, it's our market vanishes for that product. So then you look for something else to do instead. So yeah. So yeah, it's difficult that side of stuff. The soft goods. So, so there's a couple things I want to dissect from from that. The first being, um, and hopefully I remember all my questions. Uh, the first being. Do when you were talking about tinkering with markers, and you know having having to tinker with markers, and and that was still a big thing back then. I feel like even even in the early two thousands when I first started playing, I feel like there were still a lot of people that were very adamant on wanting to control how their marker shot. Now, comparing that to markers today is pretty much night and day. I mean, you you get a, a Planet Eclipse marker or. I mean, any marker really from any manufacturer nowadays, and it's you don't have to do anything. You have to turn it on, and yeah. and really it, it takes off. Is is that market the reason why you guys kept the the LV series around? Is for that tinker factor, or was that just simply uh, because it's the best shooting marker ever? Okay, so you're an LV fan, and I'm an L- <laughs> I'm an LV fan. Yeah. So if I had to choose a marker, it'd be an LV um, every day. And um, but I'm I don't consider the LV to be a tinkerer's marker either. So because right, if you knew me from my playing uh, career, mm. I I know zero about guns. I mean, to the point that it's scary. Um, and it's sort of, I quite like to say now that it's, um, I do it on purpose. So Jack and Flash will come out of um, uh, R&D with a new marker and they'll say, lads, can you go and test this for us? Because they know that I'm going to test it as if I'm absolute amateur. 
Sure. So I don't know how to change the settings in the back of the, the marker or and I don't know any of those things. So I just go and play. Now, do you and do I, that for simply R&D purposes or is that just simply you just don't have the time to learn? All I think those? it started off being a bit lazy. <laughs> yeah. And I've always had all these tech guys around me. So, right, right. Yeah. You know, I don't go, oh, I'll just change the settings like this. I just go, Jack, <laughs> you know, come and look at this for me. And he yeah. does. Um, so I've never really learned. And then now it's got to the point where it's more of a thing where I'll go, I'm not going to learn. Because if you say to me, for them, it, like say Flash is doing some electronics upgrades on on the back of the you know the screen, mm-hmm. and he says to me, "I'm not sure if this is intuitive enough." For him, it's totally intuitive because he's been working on it for eighteen months. He knows it backwards. Right. So he gives it to me and says, "Right, can you? I want you to change the game timer to eight minutes, or I want you to change the dwell, or whatever it happens to be." And I'll I'll give it me, and I'll go, "Okay, give me a manual." And I'll sit there and I'll go, uh, oh, why am I doing that? And then I'll say to him, why am I doing X? Mm-hmm. And he'll go, good point. You don't need to do X, right? X needs to come out of the program. Um, but if I just knew it it's the same level as him, some of these products might end up leaving the door that are not as intuitive as the end up being. Well, I'm not over, saying over I engineering. Yeah, I'm, I don't fix anything by any means, but <laughs> it just it, it's just I'm the, like, I'm the lowest common denominator. I'm the sort of idiot in every team who just goes and just, oh, I don't know how to do this, you know, yeah. and uh, and they get on with that. So, um, yeah, that's what I do. You know, well, and the reason why I say the... Uh, so we didn't that... answer the question, did we? The question was the tinkering. <laughs> right, okay, the twinker. Okay, no, that's fine. So I don't think the LV is a tinkerer's gun, and I, but don't, I don't necessarily think that any of our markers are tinkerers either. But there are tinkerers that love to tinker. Right. And I'm sure the LV will give them give them some of that, and that's why on the Geo Four um, with the Ivy Core, that's mm. one of the markers that you can tinker a little bit with. Um, if I owned a Geo Four and it had an Ivy Core in it. I would not tinker with it. It would be factory settings. The only thing I would ever change is to like semi or NXL mode or you know classic or whatever it is. Sure. That would be my tinkering. level of tinkering. Other people will do you know dwell and this and that right. or whatever. And I know that there's some of the pros um, are quite into you know I've, I've, what I've done is I've increased the debounce or I've decreased the dwell or I've done this or I've done that um, and I've, you know whatever it is and, and they'll go oh the shot is so much better right. I'm like oh I could not give two whatever's of those right? and I'm literally like it works it's fine it's you know it's, mm-hmm. it's I mean Jack laughs at me all the time because he sort of says um, it's too smooth for you isn't it he'll say that to me and I go yeah I like to feel the like the bang, 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 bang you know, yeah. and all that sort of thing. It doesn't. I don't necessarily need it to be um, as refined um, as um, maybe other people do. Mm-hmm. And um, and but I mean, I'm just you know, you could you know, if I'm on a start gate and my you know my gun goes down and there's a guy next to me with some other random gun and he gives it me, I'll go and do my job. Right. It doesn't matter what's in my hand really. Um, it's it, it, it's. Uh, I'll, you know, if, if I'm breaking paint, I'll I can deal with that really well. Um, I think a lot of people just, you know, it's like you you probably have people on your team is they, they break one ball and they almost shut down. Oh, it's winging, it's this, it's that. And I'll go get closer. Right. You know, go mug the guy. If you don't, just be useless. Oh, I've got to break him a loader. What did you do about it? 
oh, I'll just I'm just gonna moan about it now, really. Mm-hmm. Just get on with it. Just go and do do something or communicate <laughs> or get yourself in a position that's just gonna make the enemy really annoyed that you're there. Right. Like, you use your body as as more yeah, of a yeah. weapon. See, you know what's more frustrating for me uh, than breaking paint is not breaking paint and the paint still being super squirrely. Right. To me, right. that's more yeah. frustrating because I'm like, yeah. or or it being super bouncy or anything like that. But well, I've just started playing because um, uh, we've got a magfed marker now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've been out testing um, the magfed markers and our new magazines for them. Uh, so we've got a magazine called the CF20, and I've been out testing it. Like, uh, so I've got myself into a new format, which is magfed. Right. And I quite enjoy it. It's it's fun. It, it it's super non-competitive the only competition is the competition you put on yourself to shoot the guy in front of you or the guys in front of you um, i can throw smoke and grenades and i've got cameras and you know and all that stuff and i yeah. go out and it, there's a few of us go out and play um, and what you're saying there is is so true about paint is because in the uk most of the games i've played at least play bouncers count um really yeah on, on the magfed side Oh, okay. Well, okay. yeah, even I guess. Yeah, and um, but I'm only carrying 120, 140 shots on me, um, and if it's inaccurate, I'm like, this is a nightmare. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? I'm like, I can see the guy, but I, you know what I mean? If you had a hopper, you'd eventually get one that went straight enough to hit him. Um, right. But when I've got 120 rounds, I mean, you know, you could do that in you know 20 seconds with a you know, with a ramping gun, but with mm-hmm. a magfed gun, I've got to like go one shot, two shot. Oh, can't really, can't be blasting a load at this guy. So yeah. yeah, that's super frustrating when it's not, when it's not accurate as well. So, oh, yeah. but, I, but I'm not, you might be a bore sizing guy. I'm not really a, a bore sizing guy either. Yeah. I'm like, you know, I mean, the, our, our markers come with a six, eight, nine, a standard. And that's pretty much, uh, the reason we do that is because that's just shoot all. You know, it's like we have to send a product out the door that you can. You're always going to be able to shoot with it. You know, there's no point. Right. Ideally, you might go, okay, you know, with the current climate, we should, you know, we should be supplying our markers with a six eight one or a six seven nine or whatever it happens to be at the moment. Um, but then there's a guy in Malaysia who they get paint from another manufacturer that's a bit too big. They're never going to get a ball out. You yeah. Know? So. For me, I'm, you know, the bore sizing people are, are, are sort of, I get it, I totally get it, but you can't, I don't think you can bore size at the beginning of the day either and just expect that to be correct all, all day long. You've got to bore size batches of paint, you've got to bore size, you know, at lunchtime mm-hmm. when it gets a bit humidity gets up or whatever, and um, I just can't be bothered with that. I'm like... <laughs> Six, eight, nine, happy days. That's a good, like, that's, that's a really good middle ground, but if... Correct me if I'm wrong. Don't you guys send a bore above and below six, eight, yeah. nine with your markers anyway? It depends which marker it is, but yeah, we like right. to. I mean, we we know people love to do it, and it's 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 actually super important. I mean, mm-hmm. you, if when you're playing pro, if you're not bore sized and you miss a guy by a quarter of an inch, okay, that's could be the difference between you winning or losing that point. So yeah. I get that, you know, a hundred percent get that. The, the level of play I'm playing at now, I mean, I still play tournaments, you know, airball tournaments, um, and I play, um, I, I play anything basically. There's, there's nothing I really want to play. And um, I don't care. Yeah. I just don't care. If I miss the guy by a quarter of an inch, I'll go, okay, well, that's me being oh, old so and, you know, I know, but I'll go, okay, I've got to, 
I've got to be better, I've got to move, and I've got to yep. do whatever. And um, and I sort of, you know, it doesn't bother me so much. But we know people are bothered by it, and it and it's, it is super important. Um, but I tell you the other thing about bores and, and barrels. This is the one thing I do do. If you've got a market that's more, if it's if it's old, and mm. I used to do this back when I was playing pro, um, I would have a training barrel and I would have a tournament barrel. Mm. And your training barrel is one is you have to think that you're shooting the projectile down an aluminium barrel over and over and over and over again. And it wears out. It changes the bore size. It gets right. scratched. It's not going to be accurate. So I used to have one for tournaments and I used to have my training barrel. And um, and, and I would swap my tournament barrel quite often to get more accuracy. And it, it, was, it would make a difference. I mean, and the reason we knew this, well, the, the reason it was like the penny drop for me, I'm not a scientist and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sure there are people out there that would debunk everything I say. So don't Google it or listen to those people anyway. It would, it'll still be true. So um, we used to shoot the dye titanium two-piece barrels. Don't mm-hmm. if you remember those? Yeah. So if you've got any dust um, in the in the barrel, like literally a bit of dust, sand, dirt, whatever. Which rarely happens in paintball. Much. <laughs> <laughs> the sparks would come out the end of the barrel. Okay, so it used to ignite the um, the titanium, and mm. literally you would have six foot sparks flying out the end of your barrel, and you'd be like, oh, "Wow, okay." Now, to me, that just sort of said that's proof that these barrels are wearing out. They're mm-hmm. getting smaller, and the you know the the paint you know that we don't treat as well as we should, and we stick it in a dirty you know hopper, and then we go play. Right, is is basically wearing out the barrel so i was like well okay i'm going to swap it out and if you've got if you've got two brand two barrels one that's been used solidly for a year and the same bore size that's fresh i think you'll find a, a marked difference oh i bet I, I never thought of that i've always carried my uh <laughs> my, my barrel set with me because i've always been one that's you know it's usually early on it was always six eight nine and then there towards the end of of when I was playing, um, actually all through I would say through through fifteen through uh, eighteen, I felt like the bore size shrank on paint. And when we started off, we were at six nine three on all our on our markers. Really, <clears throat> as standard, yeah, six nine three, and then we went down to six eight nine because it was just too big. Right. Um, I think now, like I said, I'm contradicting myself a slight. Uh, I think I've got a six eight five in my marker now. But that's all I have. Yeah, I'll you know, it's literally I put it in, and it's like there you go. Yep, yep, that's what I shot. But I, um, yeah, I, I always like to just tinker a little bit. And even going back to the to the LVs, I consider the LV a tinker marker just because you guys provided a separate RAM, a light and a heavy. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I can't remember. It might have been the Geos that you guys supplied a soft tip bolt. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. but for the LVs, I just felt like it. I felt like I had more control over how the bolt up. Like I didn't go too far into it, but I was guess I was more of like I loved every every tournament and every practice. I would tear my marker down to parts, and I would clean up everything and put it all back together again. I've never. I, I only a few handful of times I could. I remember handing my marker to Jerry and being like. Yeah, it's not working. 
I've done everything that I could think of. And then obviously like a, a board or here's something the, like that would happen. Here's the bag of spares that I had left over from my assembly. Yeah. <laughs> they go in there somewhere. Yeah. yeah. I even yeah. told him, I was like, Hey man, if you have like an extra bag of like spare parts or anything that, cause I've used up all mine. Cause I like to change. I like to make sure everything was nice and fresh all the time. And, um, and he provided me with, uh, with a spare kits bag. And I was like, Oh, perfect. Cause I just, I just loved messing with it. Cause I, I love, I love mechanics and, you know, not big on uh, the electronic side of it, but, um, but I just love, I love the way the LV felt It felt it, it was smooth. It had enough of a pop to let you know that it was, it was firing. And, yeah. but at the same time, it kind of had this kind of glide to it. But then a lot of people were always, Oh, it's got this drop shot and this and that. I was like, it's called gravity. <laughs> one and every and you if you if if I had somebody take a geo or anything anything else of any other manufacturer and shoot it alongside this it had the same trajectory and I was like there's no I feel like people wanted it to be different because yeah. it still held on to that that spider intimidator like kind of feel and I don't I feel like there's so many people that were against it that were for it just I'm going to tell Jack that you said that his LVs is like a spider, and um, and and then we'll see where that goes. Yeah, <laughs> it, it does shoot a little bit better and, than a spider. I'll give him that. <laughs> I mean, I know what you mean. It's, I mean, I, I'm not a, I'm not a scientist in terms of like you know sort of shot trajectory and all those sort of things. Mm -hmm. For me, just the LV just feels right. I right. don't know why. Yeah, I just I don't know why. It's it's weird. I mean, there was. Um, I'll give you a, sto a little story about J-Rab, right? So um, this is when we were on CS1, um, and J-Rab would not shoot CS1, okay? So we said to him, okay, you know, it, we think it, we'd launched it at World Cup, mm. and we'd, we wanted him to shoot one. Um, this was, you know, three or four years ago. That's a big and, leap uh, for you guys. What? I feel, the CS1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you loved it, didn't you? Yeah, um, and then, but we we said to him, "Why won't you shoot it?" And um, and he said that he the back cap was um, too much in his face. So we're like, okay, so so we so anyway, so it's World Cup, so we're not going to tell him he's got to go and use a marker that he's not going to be happy, comfortable with. Mm -hmm. So we, me and Jack were on the plane on the way home, and we were chatting, and I said, okay, what are we going to do about J-Rap then? Because we can't have him shooting our old platform, and we need to try and find a way to solve this problem. So, you know, he said, well, what's the problem? He said, well, he said it's in his face too much. So so we then, you know, you go back to the drawing board, you look at how he's holding his marker, and, and you look at the the profile of the, the back cap. And, I, you know, at one point we started talking about um, making him a, a thinner, um, like a custom back cap just to right. – this was like me and Jack are having a drink on the plane type thing. You know, yeah. this is, you know, it's not like we're not in the lab here, you know, mm -hmm. creating, you know, science, you know, making mirrors so we won't see it or whatever. Right? <laughs> so anyway, so the next thing we sort of go and we sort of talk to him and then when we spoke to him again and he said, oh, actually, I'm, I'm using an LV now. Um, and we were like, so I'm like, oh, okay. And I said, so that's got over the problem with the, with the, with the back cap. He said, yeah, yeah, love it, love it, love it, right? So, so he's one of our advocates of the LV, isn't he? As we know, he mm. still shoots an LV. And so I'm sort of in there, me and Jack are talking about, I said, oh, we can't get our heads around this because now he's got a bolt 
going like this into his face. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. <laughs> Where the back cap is too distracting for him. Yeah. Right? Um, so we sort of, at that point, me and Jack sort of rolled our eyes and sort of went, the, you know, the CS platform just isn't for him and the LV is for him, you know, and he's he's attributed that because of the back cap. Right. Pro- probably isn't the back cap. But to him in his hands, it didn't feel as good as an LV felt in his hands. Um, you know, it, and I think you'll probably do the same where um, I, there's been a few times when I've, uh, like all last season I shot a CS2 um, and the season before I shot my LV. Because uh, we stopped selling the LV, we ran out and we stopped selling it. So I was like, "Well, I can't shoot an, an old product, so I've got to carry. I've got to shoot the CS2." Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I got a fair, fair few kills, you know, like I normally do. Uh, but then all of a sudden, I go back to my LV, LV, and you have a great tournament or you have a great game, yeah. and you suddenly go, you, you you almost don't think it's your skill level or you've made the great move or they've been rubbish at the other end. You go, mm-hmm. "Oh, it's back, it's back, and back in, and this is the one for me." And and for me, that's been always been the thing where if you gave me a choice of all the markers in the world, I'd, I'd pick an LV up every time because yeah. it just feels like the right thing for me to be shooting. Don't know why. No science behind it. It just feels right. So. Yeah, I, I I agree. And the only the only reason why that I had the, the H2K 3.5 and I had the, uh, the Hawk CS1, those were simply like, because they were the newest things that you guys had made and it was more of a business kind of venture as far as putting a design out on that marker than it was on a personal basis of what I thought was maybe not the better marker, but personally what felt better for me. Um, I'm obviously happy with both of those markers. and I think they're great. I just, cause actually at, in, at, 2016 when I had that uh, that CS1 uh, eagle marker I ended up shooting my original LV uh, LV1 at World Cup because I was just like I just I want to shoot it again so bad I ended up just going back to it well we've I mean at one point when we first brought out the uh, geo we um, We'd always been uh, pop it valve with the LVs mm-hmm. or, or the Ego line, um, and then we sort of we developed because there was a very much a demand for the spool. Um, so we sort of that's when we developed the Geo. Um, but the problem with it, with a lot of the other markers before we brought ours was that the, the vast huge amount of O rings that it took to make the thing work consistently was a nightmare. Right. So we sort of said, well, um, we'll make something better, um, in our opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and we think we did, but we, at one point we sort of said, "What we're going to do? Where we're going to pitch these price point? Um, is uh, are we going to drop the LV line and just go with the um, uh, the Geo line?" Um, and because at one point we had, we were probably selling ninety percent Geos to ten percent LVs or right. uh, Egos, so it was like well, this is this is rubbish. You know, this this product line as a business decision, we should have got, we should get rid of this. Um, but one of the things that stopped us from doing that was was the pros, uh, because we didn't want to force you and your group, your, your team, you know, at the time after shot there, we didn't want to force you into shooting just the CS1 or just the you know GR 3.5. We wanted mm-hmm. to have, we wanted to give you the choice, and we wanted you to be comfortable in the choice that you've made. If your choices are one, can, it can actually affect people's games. I think if, you know. It depends what level you're at, but if it's right. not the right one for you, it's not the right one. And we've always sort of got that. 
and we've sort of said, right, okay, we need to sort of try and carry on for as long as we can doing the uh, the LV lines. In, I mean, if you look at the, it's funny, isn't it? The, if you look at all the Planet Clip sponsored pro teams, you can almost name the people that shoot the LV. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You I know, know the guys than, who converted over. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so those few are in like a little secret, like a little club over here. There's mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, I mean, not anymore, but, you know, Nick Sloviak was a big advocate of it. You were, Jay Rabbis, you know, there's a couple of others, you know, knocking around here and there. Um, but apart from that, that, your club was quite exclusive where mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, all the other guys were saying, no, 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 you're wrong. You know, it's it's the, uh, um, it's the ego, uh, sorry, the Geo line or the CS line, which is right. the one that is, is the best one to shoot. And I'm sure if there's a little battle, you know, you know, they, they, there's hardly any of you guys to fight, is it? Just, yeah. so it's almost, you just going, <laughs> all right, mate, you know, so give yeah. yourself a little, you know, LV boy, you know, sort of thing. So, and I'm in that club as well. But it's... Yeah. And, and the thing is though, what's, what's tough is when you try to convert people over, because I can talk until my my head is blue about how great the LV is. But the thing is, is that if you try and convince somebody to switch over and they shoot an LV that somebody hasn't taken care of, then we're talking about a different story. Because now that that's I I'll be, I will offer my mark, be like, dude, try this, dude, shoot this, shoot this, shoot this, because I just I like it a certain way, clean, nice. And but if they were to go off and shoot somebody who who might not be as as well taken care of, they might have a bad experience and be like, "What is he talking about? This thing just shoots like garbage." Yeah. But that's why I always offer mine to people to like to try out. And um, but I think I'm I'm very much biased because I have actually shot a, a, a ego since for eclipse since uh, excessive. Now was excessive kind of did all the stars align with excessive and was excessive the one that kind of like stood out because they didn't have a gun sponsor they were looking for something um was that kind of the perfect storm for you guys as far as uh bringing out your platform yeah we hadn't really had um, a high-end sort of team really back then um we'd had a few of the european teams obviously we had sort of nexus but we didn't have a you know uh you know, a top four team, so to speak. And that's what we sort of, we we felt that we needed. Um, I mean, we didn't go pursuing these things. I think mm-hmm. Rich came to see us and sort of sat down and was like, okay, we need a gun. What have you got? You know, and we were like, well, we haven't got one. I mean, he's, there's interviews of us, you know, him talking about it and we're saying, we've got something coming, but it's not ready. And he was like, come on, tell me. And we're like, no, you know, you've got the cocker so far. If you want to join us, then you're going to mm-hmm. have to go with cocker. And um, he, um, I mean, back then, we, I mean, I remember sitting down with Rich and he sort of had a contract drawn up and said, this is what we want. And it was some big money, you know, and it was like, you know, and, and it was all like legal, you know, sure. stuff. And, you know, there was going to be and, and there was these really weird contingencies that if somebody came to me these days and asked me if they could have them in a contract, I'd laugh them out of the door. I think it was like one of the, I think one of the, uh, one of the, um, the things that was in the contract said, if they get a better deal from somebody else, they can leave. And I was like, that sounds like it should be in every contract. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm like, well, surely the whole point of the contracts is that, you know, you, you stay you in the contract. Up, yeah. Right now. And then you leave when, it, you know, and I was like, yeah. And I think, I think we ended up leaving it in there because we sort of went, well, if they leave, then they leave sort of thing. Uh, well, you guys um, didn't really have any skin in the game because that marker wasn't really, it, it, it's 
I mean, I don't want to talk for you, obviously, but it was kind of like this new adventure for you guys as far as a brand new marker platform of making your own. So it's kind of like, you know, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, that's, you know, that's fine too. Yeah, but if you're, and I can't remember the deal, whatever, I can't remember what the deal was. I mean, back in 2006, seven, that sort of years, we, we, the markers became a currency. So, sure. you know, a team would come to us and say, um, we would like 100 guns a season, plus we want entrance fees to the MPPL, plus we want 50 grand, so right? You know, or whatever it was at the time. Right. Uh, and we would like be going, we're a small company, there's, you know, seven or eight employees, there's, um, you know, I, there's no way that we can give you 100 guns or, you mm-hmm. know, and I'd be sat there thinking at one point, I remember going, that's like an entire month's production of our guns that we that that this one team wants us to give them. Yeah, and um, and and we so, I can't remember how it went, but we sort of decided that we should take a risk on one team, um, and then I think we we did. Um, excessive was good for us, and I think we were pretty good for them as well because it was you know we solely got behind them. You know, so it was like, you know, if they would have jumped into some of the other, you know, maybe say, say they jumped into the smart parts, you know, factory, then they would have been in with, you know, Dynasty or Naughty Dogs or whoever it was. So, mm-hmm. you know, they, they have to take a, you know, a, a slice of that, you know, fame where we were just sort of putting it all into them. Um, I mean, we had the Bushwhackers were, were good for us as well. You know, Ron, having Ron Kilborn around is always fun, you yeah. know, sort of thing. So it's... Um, but yeah, it was it was always a risk. Everything like that you do is a risk, you know. Where, you know, over the last I don't know, seven or eight years, we've managed to stop the no, probably less years than that. We've actually stopped now uh, making markers kind of currency. So all that was happening was a lot of the protein players would be, you know, and, and I know it still happens and it makes me quite sad still. But if they're trying to get a, you know, a, get somebody to leave that, you know, whichever team they're on and come and join this new team. Um, They'll say, well, we'll give you, you know, 15 guns, you know. So they'll go, okay, 15 guns. Oh, well, you know, that's that's amazing. You know, mm-hmm. I can get $1,500 a piece for those. So I'm going to do that, and that's going to pay for my, my, my living or whatever it happens right. to be. But then the reality is that um, they, they might go, oh, I've got to pay the rent this month, and it's $600. And then someone will go, and, and then they go, oh, I need to sell a marker for $600 just to get enough money for the rent. Right. So rather than holding out for $1,500 or whatever the price is. He just blows one out at $600. And then that causes Planet, and, and, and I'm sure all these other companies, but it causes us a huge problem. Because even just one marker getting sold into the market, everyone will go, oh, you know, go and speak to X, Y, and Z. He's got these guns. He'll let mm-hmm. you have at 600 and And it just erodes the marketplace. And so we sort of, we just sort of said, yeah, oh, we can't do that anymore. So now the, the, the pro teams, now that we sponsor, get markers to to use it's it's a tool you know and uh, that's that's what we offer them now is if you want to shoot what we consider to be the best marker there is with the best tech support then then we're here for you come and see us you know and uh, but we're not going to give you 50 100 guns to for you to sort of fuel your season with which right. i'm sure over the years has caused you know the pro teams you know heartache because they, they don't get that Money, you know, people have got to get a proper job and, and all those sort of things. And mm-hmm. but that, but it's the only reason that we're still here. We couldn't have survived by carrying on what we were doing. Now, do they have the option of, of purchasing the markers at the end of the season or something? No, they, they, they're theirs. We oh. give them to them. 
but you know, but it'd be like, okay, so say um, aftershock, you know, not mm-hmm. not existing in that realm, but say then, um, you know, Rennick would talk to us and we'd say, well, your deal is twelve markers, mm-hmm. and they'll go, well, you know, there's twelve of us. Go, well, you got one each then, you know, so you know, you know, sort of thing, yeah. and it's like, you know, rather than going, well, there's fifty markers, you know, I mean, we have some pro teams that uh, we've we've turned down, um, not because we don't like them or that because. Um, we don't want to support them. It's just that we don't have the budget to do it. And they'll, you know, they'll come to us and say, we want to shoot your product. We're, you know, desperate to shoot your products. And I go, well, there isn't any budget for you. I can't sponsor you. And they say, well, can we buy, can we buy guns? And, um, and with, with every season we have, uh, it varies. It's been up to about four pro teams that have actually purchased markers to be able to, to shoot ours. You yeah. know, we do a deal. They're not, you know, they're not yeah, paying, yeah for them they're doing a really good deal but they are You're not putting losing the hand money in the process exactly they're putting their hand in the pocket and we're you know i mean we usually do lose money but we're trying to help them out and it's marketing and you know that sort of thing but it, it, it's you know that makes us quite proud that there's teams out there that are so confident in our product that they you know are quite happy to shell out money for them yeah so even pro level so it's good so uh i want to go back to the excessive side a little bit um because I remember, I remember sitting at Rich's place, and he he came over, and I'm pretty. I don't think it was mine yet, but I remember him coming over with a a white looking, almost pizza pizza box shaped. It was a little more rectangular, but it was it was it was white with a an Eclipse logo, and then there was another guy who just had one that was just cardboard colored. There was like nothing on there or anything, and we opened it up and we were looking at him. And to be honest, the first thing I thought of was. It was it was heavy because I actually came from shooting when I went when I got on excessive I was shooting a Dynasty Shocker and right. and then before that I was shooting just an SFT like just a regular Shocker right so first thing I was like I was like it's it's a little heavy but I I know that the the first I didn't really have a say in shit anyway because I was I just got on the team yeah. and and uh, I was I've kind of like messing with it a little bit I was like Man, I kind I kind of like it and then. Um, I remember you guys came out with, uh, and we, we shot them in Pomona that year and they it held up really. I remember that, that they held up really well to that weather, which was terrible. The weather was yeah. terrible. Um, but then you guys came out with the milled excessive version, which I never yeah. got one of those, but it is what it is. Um, but the one that I do regret selling that I wish I still had was when you guys did the 06, uh, I think it was called the SL 66. Yeah. That version where you guys actually had, we were, we, I remember being on uh, it was one practice where we like, okay, what colors do you guys want? And I was like, That's what right, colors yeah. do you guys want? And I was like, okay, well I want, uh, I want an olive green body with black parts. So everybody's markers started coming in and coming in and coming in. And I'm like, I'm like, what? where's mine and um another guy on the team actually wanted uh he wanted black parts with olive or i'm sorry black body with olive parts and him and i's got switched up and i was like looking at it i'm like oh this is way sweeter i want this one and that that marker and the 07 avalanche uh bones marker that i had were two of the best shooting that i remember from back then because obviously the the LVR that I had shot amazing and and the aftershock LV1 I think that was an LV1 point um 
the first point was that a point right. five whatever it was uh, 1.1 1.1 um I always call them LVs. I never even have really names for them. But, um, but I remember those are the two that I was like, I wish I still hung on to. But the 07 was just amazing. The, the 06 I wish I still had just for nostalgic reasons. And it, it shot really good. But, but I, yeah, I remember I shot, um, and I'm sure I've told you this multiple times, but I've, I've shot an Ego ever since I turned pro. And, um, you know, the, the, insert the GOs here and there, but I've, I've always ended up in one way, shape, or form with, uh, with an LV. And I, I'm just – I'm – completely flabbergasted that it hasn't taken and i think it's pure aesthetics honestly i think it's pure aesthetics on why it's not as popular as the geos because the geos and all the other markers out there are so they're clean no moving parts this and that people are kind of weird whatever i like a little a little mechanics to it and yeah, yeah. just seeing it but that's just that's just my rant my weird old yeah. rant but people, I mean, the spool valve stuff, people just preferred the, the smoothness of the shot. I don't think the LVs are smooth. I mean, the, the lever valve, which is what the LV stands for, makes it really, really smooth. But I still don't think it's you know, as buttery smooth as as, as the uh, the Geo line. But, I mean, I'm, I'm not... Mine. Yeah, well, I, and I'm not into it being smooth either. <laughs> I would probably hate yours. See, there you go. So, you know, I'd probably be like, oh, I don't want this. You know, so. And on top of that, I don't even own... I have... See, I was always I got rid of all my all my markers except for one. I guess the one I have. Emac. Emac. That's all that's all yeah. I shoot now. <laughs> and it's not it's it, I honestly got rid of my markers because they were sitting on the shelf and I was like like you know, I, I want other people to enjoy these. I have pictures of me shooting these. I have I have the artwork, I have all this stuff and why not have other people who want to shoot the marker enjoy it? When I have, I have pretty much the tank of all markers that shoots just like a tournament marker sitting right there, and and I have been such an advocate for that. Now um, I would obviously still shoot an LV if it came down to the tournament side, but as far as those go, man, I have to give my hats off to you guys. That's that's has changed. It has to for me has changed the rental experience uh, side of things because it's cha- it's changed my attitudes towards paintball just by having more fun and it's i never fun, really, I, I really never shot much paint anyway and with that thing i get so many people like um anthony call from brimstone he's all about like how fast he can shoot it you know this and that which is great but for me like i love the accuracy and just the just the plink 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 i, I love yeah. being able to do that because i like i like my accuracy but my my hat's off uh to you guys for that marker it's it's amazing yeah, I mean, when we developed that, we we wanted to um, we wanted to look at the site rental marker um, market really, um, and we we struggled with it for a long, long time because you can buy um, uh, Tipman FT twelves or fifties, whatever you know, whatever, right. and you can buy these other things, you know, custom ninety eights and whatever, it relatively inexpensively you know they, they, and they're, they're good markers they, they they do their job you know they're and they've been around for years and years and years and years and the, and the pedig- pedigree is there they're not mm-hmm. a bad marker um but we wanted to do something that was better we wanted to you know we wanted to find the things that were a problem and fix those problems so we sort of sat down and we and then we obviously over time we developed the the uh, the emac um but we we weren't sure if it was going to succeed because um, 
it's it is more expensive. We couldn't. Sometimes you reverse and not reverse engineer. You you sort of start with a price point mm-hmm. and you go. This is where we need to get to. You know, so it's gonna. We want it to sell for you know. Hundred dollars, five hundred dollars, thousand dollars, whatever it happens to be. So right. then you work your way back from there. Um, you know, and if you know, like I'm sure when like with with the EMEC, if we could have made it for to retail for a hundred dollars and we made profit on it and been able to support the product, then we would have done. But mm. we couldn't. So we went. It's got to be more expensive. So it, so we you start putting in when when you put more things and more effort and more R and D into a product. It costs more money to manufacture and to produce and to support and all right. those things. Um, and at, at one point, we, we, we sort of said, should we make this? Should we even bother? Uh, because we, we, the profit margin, you know, it's you might have a percentage margin, but that's not actually monetary value. You know, mm-hmm. if we make $20 on, a, on an EMEC, it's not a huge amount of money, is it? You know, I've got... You know, I've got a lot of people that work for me, and they've got to pay them all wages to build these things. You know, and um, but in the end, we sort of said, no, we're going to make this because we feel that the, it's going to give the the rental player such a better experience. Um, and then, and even even uh, even that caused us problems. We so when we first made the EMAC, we thought it was great, fantastic. It does all the jobs we wanted to do. Um, and then we sent, we built up a few, and we sent them out to some local paintball fields in the UK. Um, so uh, they took them out, played with them, and they said, "Yeah, got a problem." I was like, "Oh, okay, what's your problem?" And they're like, "They don't feed. The paintballs don't go into them." We're like, "Oh, okay. Can you send them back to us? Because that's obviously a bit of an issue." Were they using uh, just a gravity fed? Yeah. Okay. Well, we did. What we do is we went. If we're sending people out. Um, demo stuff we don't specify what to do with it sure so we want them to do whatever we want and then we say to them okay can you tell me what you used and then we can we can sort of you know if they say no we're using spire 4 loaders we go it's not designed for that (laughs) but then we'll find out there's a problem and then we'll we'll work out what the problem is Mm -hmm. um so the problem um turned out it was too smooth the, the, so with a gravity-fed loader, if you shoot some of the other sight rental markers, they've got such a kick in them that um, the, the, the balls will jiggle around and they'll fall in. Mm-hmm. I mean, to a certain, you know, if you went playing rental again, um, the, you know, you might fire a few, you have to do a bit of a shake, fire a few, give it a bit of a shake. And there are, you know, loaders, you know, like the Primo sort of solve part of that problem, but it's a gravity-fed loader, so it's still going to have that issue. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're moving, if you're running around and shooting, then that's fine because you're getting all the movement. But it's when the guy comes up above a bunker, stands there, and goes da 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 da, and he, he, he fires two or three, and then he has to give it a shake. So um, we just like, oh, we can't bring this out. We just literally can't bring this product out because the only way it's going to work is if you've got an electronic loader. Mm-hmm. And we hadn't picked it up at all in our. In it, what we would do because we were testing it, we'd, we'd just pick up the electronic loaders that we have, stick it on, shoot it. Because right. we were we were concerned with the shooting. It was all about the shooting, uh, not about the balls getting into it. You, you, I suppose we turned off our. We'd never made a site rental market before. Tournament turned that part of, yeah. yeah. So we you're gonna put an electronic loader on it, you know. So we sort of you know failed there. But luckily that was why we do a lot of field testing and that's why people get annoyed with us that we test things for so long sometimes. So anyway, so that's when Jack went back to the drawing board and he invented the PALS loader. 
which is um, I don't know if you if you ever shot the pals loader. I mean, I've played a uh, not I played a, a whole uh, walk on with a pals loader and it didn't miss a beat. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So all it does is the gas that hits the ball um, pushes the ball down the barrel. The excess gas that hits the ball n- now comes backwards usually. So what it does is pushes a plunger, tiny little plunger that goes up inside the loader and it just jiggles the plate that's in the pals loader. And that's enough agitation every shot that you fire to make the balls just keep moving around a little bit. So, so now, so simple. It, it's ridiculous. I mean, people, we get a lot of people all the time saying, mine's not working. I'm like, okay. And we know all the answers now because they'll try and, they try and see this plunger moving and it's so quick they can't see it. Or there's no, if, if you do it without paint in there, it doesn't get the backdraft because all the, all the air just goes down the barrel. So mm-hmm. It needs the paintball there to give the backdraft. And, um, and it's such a simple uh, product that just works. And since then, we've we've just I mean we can't get enough of the UMX in stock to sell to the the you know like yourself playing a walk on or whatever. We that we call that the UMX 100. Um, that one sells great, really really good, reliable. You know, it's 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 more expensive than a than a lot of the other sort of cheaper markers that are out there, but. You know, I think a lot of the site owners, not site owners, the the store owners like selling it because it just works. You mm-hmm. know, it doesn't. It, it's not. You know, it's not going to break, and they're going to have to fix it. And the site rental markers, uh, they, again, they're just having a great experience with them. You know, every time they pop up, it shoots a ball, and it doesn't break, and it doesn't beat down gas and all that sort of stuff. It just sort of ticks along and works. And we've got we we've got some sort of fantastic. You know, where it's, it's stories from site owners are just saying, like, I used to have a guy sat in a shed fixing guns all day long. He doesn't work for me anymore. Or he's now out with the customers making right. their experience. Or he's, you know, he's, he's, he's out, you know, running games rather than having to fix stuff. I mean, and nothing's perfect. You know, right. it's uh, some of the people who get the pals loaders get quite frustrated with us because um, it doesn't, there will be jams. You know, um, if two balls are really right next to each other, and the trouble of trying to get down the same hole is going to be a it's, it's going to be a problem. Yeah. Um, but you're talking about a, a you know ten fifteen dollar loader that's gravity fed, rather than a hundred plus dollar loader that's electronic, and it's just that's your payoff. So don't come to I mean come to me and tell us you've got a problem for sure, but don't spend fifteen dollars on your loader and then say to me it doesn't feed every single ball i go well it's not it's not the product for you if that's what if that was what's important yeah you know and that's why there's a huge range of these products for you to go and shoot so yeah uh, mine still is the only thing not stock on that because I, I have the one that's pre-pal um the only thing that's that's not stock now is uh a guy sent me a um a customized on off for the bottom, right. so I don't have to screw my tank in and off, which I I was completely fine with keeping it uh, com- as rental as possible, um, right. just for that experience because I'm a weirdo. But uh, but the on off, I was like, of course I'll shoot the on off because it's gonna make, yeah, it's gonna make yeah, it yeah. a lot easier. But well, these are all just features that you're mentioning. There is that we we're trying to make the price as 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 inexpensive as possible. So you know, people might say, oh, how come you've not got a you know a 14 inch six eight five two piece barrel with it yeah. and, a, and a and a pops and i go well we can put those on it but then right. it becomes it becomes more expensive and 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 a lot of people might go um, i don't want to shoot that barrel and you know i've already got a, a you know you might have a 
a carbon fiber NFL barrel kit. That's, yeah, that's you know, right. yeah. So why would it, why would it make the marker more expensive for you if you're just going to put something else? Excuse me, put something else on there. So so all those things are, are, are choices, and we have these choices when we when we're designing the final spec is what pops we're putting on there, what barrel we're putting on there, what feed neck, what this, what that, what this, you know, and it all it all adds up. If we put I mean, GRN, which is the vast majority of that marker is, is made of, glass mm-hmm. reinforced nylon, is a lot less expensive than it is to put aluminium on there. Oh, yeah. Um, um, and it holds up really well. It's not like, you know, I mean, I'm sure you've given yours a bit of a beating, you know. A it's, bit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and and, they, and it, they don't break, you know. They, they you know, if, I mean, I've had... I've had very few break. I had one. This guy broke one on a site. I went down to see the customer. At, well, the the, the the field. It just happened to be really local to me. And I said, he said, oh, we've snapped this the frame or something. I was like, we've never. I've never seen that. How has he done that? And he goes, this guy was huge, and he fell <laughs> full on onto oh, it. Geez. And he said, you know, and he's like, you know, he's hurt himself, and he's like, and then we've sort of pulled him up off the ground, and this, you know, and he's and he's done mm-hmm. this. And I'm like, well. You know, not a lot we can do about that. You know, you, you, my car is pretty strong, but if I drive it into a tree, it's going to come out. The tree's going to win, isn't it? You know, so it's yep. those those sort of things. So it's um, yeah, and, and these are all just choices that we make, and then and that's why it comes with a shortened barrel because a lot of the field owners they don't want a two piece barrel. They want a one piece, easy to clean, mm-hmm. um, and, and 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 they don't want they don't want stuff that that the customer, the rental customer, can push. They don't want pops where they can push it. And then they're going, oh, it doesn't work. You know, we have to sure. do this. You know? Right. So, and it, um, we 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 thought we were quite clever when we first made the EMEC. We made the um, we made a selector switch safety, um, like it's like an AR. I don't know, yours push button or selector. No, mine's the mine's the the flip switch. Okay. Right. So um, the selector switch, um, we thought it was cool. Um, what a nightmare that caused us. There's so many people were having a you know a problem with it, or it was um, they just didn't like it. We we they couldn't do it. It was too stiff, and then we increased the the profile of the actual knob. Mm. But this is before production, and there was that. And then uh, in the end, we just said oh, we just need to make it a push button. A push button is going to be what people can you know they've got it in the head. They know how to do it, uh, and this is. A rental customer wouldn't care, but the, right. the field owners, you know, um, so I have are like so used. an original one. Like, yeah. one of, oh, that's awesome. See, that makes me even happier because I like like little weird stuff like that. But I mean, they're still around. The, 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 yeah, we made quite a few of the uh, of the um, uh, of the selector switch style safety. But then in the end, we just went, oh, we've got to swap. We've got to swap this out, and mm-hmm. you know, we've got to make it. You know, and we, I think we changed the. I think we changed from um, a, a GRN trigger to a metal trigger just to make it a little bit better. You I know, was just going to say, yeah, the weakest point on that thing, I think, is the tr- is the trigger. That would be the only – my only is concern that, of possibly – Is yours plastic or yeah. metal? Yeah, it's plastic. A, it's plastic, yeah. Yeah. We, 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 I mean, we only – we didn't make a huge amount of those like that. Gotcha. So, um, so they, so these are the things, you know, your one there, I mean, if you think, and this is what people sort of think we just, we make a, a marker and then we just, it stops and we just, you know, we go on to the next one. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, we're already talking about, um, a trigger, um, the safety that we changed and the PAL systems that we changed. And that's just on a, on, on what we would class on our, a field rental marker. Yeah. So, you know, it's constantly changing. That reminds me, I have a, let me grab this quick. So I have it all set up just in case, you know, 
randomly every given weekday uh, if somebody asks me to go play paintball, I will. But anyway, uh, so I have a, a small suggestion uh, if it's even in the ether of things that you guys might possibly do. Uh, but what I noticed on these is that in the foregrip itself, you have two little clips, which I assumed the bottom came out of this. Yeah. Right. Um, would you guys or, or let, I, let actually, me see the bottom of it. Let me see the bottom. Okay. That's old as well. <laughs> Great. But um, my anyway, but I'm trying to see if I can. So is there a way for you guys to make this piece more accessibly to, to be popped out and have have a little clip on the end to where you could put your um, your Allen wrench for your uh, your your velocity to be able to just clip it on the end right there. And then you can just pop it down, grab it if you need it, and then pop it back in place. Probably. <laughs> I, yeah. well, at I mean, first, I thought that's what it was. I was like, "Oh, that's cool. Well, that comes I, out." And I tell you what, we've done. We've changed that, um, and now there are uh, there's like two little um, uh, uh, there's a hole that you um, and it's so you can thread your barrel condom through it now. Oh, see, I'm not that rental. I don't no, think I'll do that. We sell we sell the majority of these to the rental market. So oh, yeah, yeah, there yeah. was there was like where do we put it? And I'm like, okay, well we'll change that. So so that plug probably doesn't want to come out. But the thing yeah. is, you know, you know, I love what you just said there and what I love is that somebody will listen to this and they'll they should contact you and say, I've three D printed one that you want. Oh yeah, that's right. Right? And then they'll send you one and then you'll go there and you'll put it on your podcast and you'll say, Right, go to three D printing, you know, EMET guy and he'll sell you one for ten dollars or whatever it is. And um and, and, and I love the fact that people can invent little somebody came to see me the other day at a PayPal site with um and he sort of said, Oh, have you got the new mag release on the uh, on your um, EMF one hundred, which is our MagFed gun? Right. I said the new mag release. I'm like, well, I'm sort of own the company. He, you know, <laughs> I sort of know there was a new mag release, and he's yeah. like, no. Look. And so he went off and found this guy, came back and showed me, and some guy's done a 3D printed, you know, a different type of mag release, mm-hmm. and and I love that, and I love that people go and sort of invent stuff where we could never do that in the past. It was always uh, so much more difficult. You'd have to commit to to sort of, you know, mean mean you have spoken about, you know, committing to molding charges and all that oh, sort yeah. of stuff, but. You know, with, with the technology that we've got today, somebody, somebody, I'm sure can make you one of those with a, an Allen key holder in there. <laughs> and I, I mean, I would a pocket personally, but I mean, yeah, yeah, I, 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 that's another thing that kind of keeps me involved in the game, and and why, and I, I think is a kind of a proven thing of why I, you know, of me still loving the game is I still have a few products that I'm in involved with prototyping right now because we had talked about one a while back i have another couple that i'm working on it's things like that like looking at things and just still wanting to be creative in the game itself maybe not on the field but on you know uh, on on the physical material aspect of things and that kind of keeps me going in the sport too and um yeah it's been it's been so cool to be able to shoot that and i've had not one person tell me that they don't like shooting those those Emacs, and I think I'm very very much impressed by the the 170s and the 170R as well. Yeah, that's good. 
It's good. I mean, we've got it, our range is pretty sort of solid at the moment. It's. Um, I mean, we've got like a the Ether Two. I mean, I don't even know if you know it, but it's just like a really, really good marker. And it's like we did, we hardly do any advertising on it mm-hmm. um, uh, because we can't make enough of them. And yeah. um, it's like, and they just like people love them. And I'm like, they, they, I don't. I mean, it's weird. If we could, the amount of those markers, if we sold, if all those people turned up to a big game, it would be a huge big game. You know what I mean? Where are all these people playing? You know, it's like, right. uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, you know, this, I, I mean, I don't particularly like harping on about the pandemic that we're in, but, right. you know, we, we're in a situation at Planet where people are emailing me and Facebooking every day saying, I'm, you know, I need markers, I need markers, I need markers. And, um, you know, from, you know, dealers all the way through to you know the the, the end user mm-hmm. and we're just trying to produce as much as we can and it's and it's you know we've been closed for three months yeah you know and it's like you know it's you know the i mean i hope the the industry seems like it's going to do quite well out of this i think i think we could uh, i think we could do well as in people need to get outdoors socially distancing you know we we pretty much socially distance at paintball don't we because we we know we're, we don't want to get too close the other guy's trying to shoot us yeah so it's um no, it's a, I think it's a good sport for that, and it, but it's um, it's difficult to um, sort of catch up and to you know the I think our attitude to risk is has changed probably you know since COVID has sort of come and sort of kicked us in the ass a little bit, and uh, but it's yeah there's I mean like you said the 170s does great the M170s you know if you want a refined mechanical one it's you know it's great and it's. Um, yeah, our range is good. It's, our range is solid. I really like the Magfed. I'm really enjoying playing. Have you have you ever played? I have not. Fancy, or do you hate it? I, not that I would hate it. I just like, I don't know. Maybe I'm a little bit too particular on what I like. But I'm I'm always open for, I'm always open for adventure. I guess. I'll tell you what. You find a Magfed game to go play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'll send you a gun to go play with. Ooh. Okay. All right. Well, all right. The incentive there is might be a little bit. Yeah, and then pretty enticing. (laughs) Yeah, just go and have a game because it's um, your. I I think you've already got to the stage when your competitive head can easily be turned off. As in, you competitive. You don't. You don't need to win the day. You know, if Mm -hmm. you're playing on red team and red team don't win, it's not that you're not that going to be like crying and going training, are you? You're almost just going to go. Well, I shot everybody in front of me, so I'm happy. You know. So I think you'd get that. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, I'm sure we can. I'm sure. I mean, between us, I'm sure we can find a. I mean, you're still Chicago based, aren't you? No, I'm actually in Ohio. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we can find an Ohio team that we can get you a ride with, and I can sort out your marker. Oh sure. That sounds like a plan, doesn't it? We can definitely figure something out. Should we'll, I do that? I'll, I'm going to do that. We'll chat a little bit. I, I want to chat for just a couple minutes after this, and we'll we'll talk okay. about that a little bit. Okay. All but, right. We'll do that. Let's. Uh, I, I got to get ready because I got to <clears throat> get my kids going here in a little bit. But I, <clears throat> like I said, I want to chat with you just a little bit after this. But, dude, thank you so much. I, it, It's been amazing. It's been a pleasure to be able to shoot your guys' markers, <clears throat> excuse me, from uh, from day one uh, when I turned uh, when I turned pro. And it's been just an absolute pleasure. And um, to get to know you and all the adventures that we had as far as, you know, with ETV and, and shooting commercials and shooting videos and everything with Dan and everything, it's been uh, – it's been a great experience, and I'm, I'm I couldn't be happier with uh, with a company like yours. 
Thank you. I mean, you have always been one of my sort of favourites. He's like, you were, you always been, you know, always been a nice guy. You've never been a dick, and um, uh, which is pretty hard these days. And um, you've you've always just sort of you've always taken the time to sort of come and say hello and just uh, and not you've never treated me so much as a, a sponsor over the years. We've just been mates and had a chat. And, and, and I appreciate that. When people do that with me, I, I've got a lot more respect for them. You know, it's hard because you know I don't know everybody. Mm. And because we played against each other as well, it was always yeah, know, it was always interesting. So, but yeah, no, it's been it's been a pleasure. I'm glad you're still doing the podcast and things, which is great. Thank you, thank so you. Keep, and, keep, and I, keep doing them. Yeah, and I appreciate you doing this. And uh, and please keep up the great work and tell everybody over there I said hello. Okay. Have thank a good you. one, mate. Cheers, mate. Bye. Ooh, man, MagFed, that would be pretty interesting. Um, I mean, I don't shoot very much paint anyway, so maybe I'll give her a try. It's a pretty good incentive, man. Uh, thank you, Leds, 100% on uh, on having a conversation with me and, and being able to sit down. And, and I've really enjoyed our friendship uh, with you personally and with the, uh, the Planet Eclipse monster that has taken over the paintball world over the years. Um, very, very grateful to be able to work with you guys over the years. And thank you, sir. Uh, a big shout out to our sponsors, Melavio. Make sure you guys check Melavio out if you are trying to dib-dabble your foot into the CBD realm. Uh, they have an, an awesome range of products, whether you want to try edibles, flour, topicals, tinctures, uh, if you want to give your pet some feel goods, it's it's great stuff for anxiety, um, to calm your nerves, uh, overall health. It's uh, it's a great product, and I, I enjoy the plethora of things that they have over there, and I I really really like and enjoy using their products. Uh, makes me feel good. I'll tell you that. It's uh, it's really nice. And if you guys have any questions, they're they're a great little company too. The boy, they're totally open. Um, you know, Sam is on, on Facebook all the time and they're promoting things and they were, they're, they're backing Tim's foundation and they're, they're so much involved in the paintball world with them that it's, it's amazing to see. And, uh, please during these times, make sure you go over there, check them out, help them out. Um, you know, they are a CBD company, but, but, uh, Sam and, and the whole, that, that whole group over there, which is only two people. I think it's him and his wife and that's, and really that's it. But, um, they are really into paintball too. They, they're at tournaments. They're, I, he was at ICC. He was. He likes to be involved in the game, and, and he loves it. And he puts just as much passion into the game as he does into his company. And uh, it's really awesome to see. So make sure you you please support uh, Melavio. That's M E L L O V E O dot com, and use the promo code capital T P O P for fifteen percent off. Um, we are also brought to you by, and a big thank you goes to Charm City Paintball, Mr. Mike Thompson, um, the hottest headgear in the game. Make sure you check them out, Facebook and Instagram, Charm City Paintball. If you are looking for something new, something with some kick, something that has some weight to it, I'm telling you, you will not be disappointed in this head game, just conglomerate uh that Mike has. It's, it's amazing that he's still uh, semi... I don't even want to say that he's underground. You know, he's... There's a lot of pros that have had 
some uh, some pieces made from him, and everything that you get from him is 100% custom made. There, he has no two headbands uh, that he makes that are the same, and it's really really cool to see. If you have any inquiries, or if you would like to have something made by Mike, or if you would like something that he has made already, which is usually up on his Facebook or any social media platform, make sure you give him a shout and uh, and let him know that Carl from the Playing On Podcast sent you over there. So thank you to Mike. And thank you all uh, for listening. I appreciate it. Um, it is, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to get as many of these uh, in as I can. I know I need to get more out, so I apologize for the time in between. I will get them out. Um, but, uh, but, yeah. I, I appreciate everybody listening and all the fans out there and the uh, the continuing listeners. I thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening and supporting the podcast. It really, 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 really does mean a lot. And um, yeah, I uh, I'm, I'm truly grateful for the fans and the fan base and uh, you know the overall support that I have had. So thank you all so much. Please listen to podcasts like this one. Do not text and drive. Um, because that sucks. Don't do that. Pay attention. Uh, Listen to podcasts like this one, and we'll see you here again soon on the Playing On Podcast. Peace.